Hi everybody, you're listening to the Marijuana Solution and this is Robert Roundtree and Hillary Smith. We have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Zai. She is from Florida. She is an artist, a musician, an advocate. Uh, she just had a couple singles come out and we're going to talk to her about what she's doing and um, you know her progress as an artist. I, I know you recently had something with WWE and ESPN. Um, so we'd love to hear about all of that. How are you doing today, Zai? Hi, I'm doing fantastic, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You're welcome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, it's very exciting. Um, I've got a, a lot of wonderful projects that are actually uh, not only coming up, but uh, that are currently in the process. So that WWE and ESPN thing you just mentioned, um, I had the sincere and great pleasure of getting to be uh, a guest artist for a wonderful wrestler named Shane Strickland. And Shane Strickland, he's a guy who's been kind of coming up in the field, um, just doing all kinds of crazy stuff like cage matches, death matches. The man is just absolutely um, top of the top. And so when I was asked to sing on this song, uh, they didn't even give me much of an understanding of anything. They had just said, hey, um, here's the beat. Here's um, a couple of sound bites that we're thinking we'd like to go in this and just go with whatever you come up with and understand that that was uh, something that I didn't expect, but I was incredibly grateful to do because by the time it was all said and done, it not only flowed so well, but um, I was also grateful because turns out that uh, this song is now again, currently on WWE ESPN. And I've gotten to work with not only the guy who wrote the beat and also rapped on it, but when we went to the studio, uh, the producer was actually the producer of B.O.B. Uh, um, he's worked with uh, several other artists that are just very, very, very well known and had the sincerest pleasure of working with all of them. So I'm very excited about this project. Um, it is currently on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, you can listen to it online or you can listen to it on TV uh, if you're watching Shane at any of his matches. And basically, it's just a really exciting time. And I'm grateful to have been a part of it. Yeah, that is exciting. Now, is this the song that I had spoke to you about when I first contacted you, um, Swerve? Yes, that's it. It's called Swerve. And the reason for that is, is Shane's nickname, uh, because he gets so many shots in um, for his competitors, his nickname is Swerve because people have to continuously uh, swerve away from him to not get uh, punched in the face. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's a tough cookie for sure. <laughs> And, and where is he from? Um, I believe he's actually from uh, this area. I, I didn't get to know too much of his backstory yet. Um, what I do know is he is uh, not only coming up in his terms of wrestling, but um, he's been doing a lot of shows in Miami, uh, working in Orlando, and he is trying to go for several champion belts. So the guy is definitely motivated. And uh, I do know that he... Um, is very, very well connected also with this other artist who I worked with, Anton, uh, or his nickname is Mont Easy, and he's a fantastic writer. He actually writes for multiple wrestlers and not even just Shane. So with any luck, I'll be on a few other projects coming up here, uh, wink, wink, hush, hush, and uh, it'll be really, really fun. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I definitely want to know about them. Um, if you have any new projects come out or any new music drop, 
Oh, well, thank you. It's so grateful that you meant, I'm grateful that you mentioned that. Um, I actually do have a four song EP album that is going to be released on Kickstarter, hopefully sometime after this weekend. And, uh, what this album is going to be about is, um, it's, it's the beginning of what we intend to make a full album of music that is not only eclectic, so it's from multiple genres. So it's not like other albums. That's just one genre. Um, we actually have four songs that are from four completely separate music um, sides of the equation. We have one uh, electronic dance song. We have one acoustic kind of indie song. We've got uh, a blues, jazz, and rock um, pop mix. And then we also have a kind of classic um, beat mix with uh, uh, almost like a Guns N' Roses kind of feel uh, rock song. So that's how we're beginning the album. And then as we raise funds for this album, we're going to be working towards uh, the next several songs we're planning on, hopefully in the entirety of releasing a 12, 10 to 12 song um, album. And then once this album is completed, our next step is I actually have uh, a fantastic crew of people that we have been developing an idea for a while, uh, a new music genre called positive pop. And what that stands for is we are creating music that fundamentally is therapeutic to the brain. So it's going to be calibrated at a level that the hurts what you listen to um, on the sound length. It actually repairs DNA and it actually uh, not only helps you to sleep, but uh, we're planning on putting cognitive behavioral therapy into the lyrics so that this music, we're going to have test study groups, focus study groups, and we're going to attempt to create a new kind of music therapy that is actually scientifically proven uh, to help reduce uh, the symptoms and uh, the, the pain that kind of goes along with PTSD and depression. And then directly after, we've got another project where we're going to be developing, um, hopefully, music that is not only therapeutic, but that is tested at a level where children with autism, with Asperger's, and with sensory disorders can listen to this music without being harmed or affected. So lots of really pretty amazing um, concepts to be going up here. And uh, aside from singing, I also am a children's book author, and I'm currently working with St. Joseph's Hospital to develop a book series for the oncology uh, section, uh, pinpointing and targeting books for children with sickle cell uh, disease, bone brittle disease, cancer, and several other uh, uh, sickness uh, kind of occupations in the body. And so we're going to be uh, developing this series of books so children can understand what's happening to them and also have it in a fun, friendly way so that they're not as scared. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Now, I had something that I wanted to ask you. You were talking about the therapeutic music, and I, I've i looked and Googled online and searched, and um, there seems to be like a couple different frequencies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Five Mm-hmm. Go go ahead. I wanted you to explain it because I figured you would know better than me. Oh, that's so kind of you. Um, well, no, I'm I'm actually very grateful. Thank you for looking that up. A lot of people don't understand that. Um, so the basic concept behind music uh, in our generation, in our day and age, is that back in World War II, uh, there were kinds of music that were actually designed to scare the enemy. So what they would do is. Our troops would go overseas and say that we were going to Vietnam. Um, We would play this music that was actually calibrated to a certain sound frequency. 
in order to strike fear and create more of a baseline, it actually uh, causes nervousness in the listener. So whenever they would play these songs, not only were these these big, grand, you know, boom, 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 you know, kind of sounds, um, but also it was, again, scientifically calibrated for the brain to have a higher fear response. And so after World War War, World War II, sorry, had come to its conclusion, for some reason that I still am baffled, um, for some reason, we decided to take that caliber, uh, take that sound frequency and use it for mainstream music. Um, so what's happening is, is that the music that we currently listen to, although it's wonderful, fun, and, and definitely helps in a lot of ways. Um, have you ever clicked on the radio and listened to a song and you had to just change it and you weren't really sure why, but it just felt uncomfortable or it was too loud or it was too something in that moment? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, 100%. Okay, that well, see, that's fantastic. Not that you felt that, but that you've understood because, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, so not that I'd ever positive. wish that on you ever. Um <laughs> <laughs> but basically what happens is, is when we turn on the radio, that music is still playing at a higher frequency that actually causes anxiety in its listeners. And it's one of the reasons why some music we'll listen to, or even like club music, specifically like EDM, um, it's at, again, that caliber that creates anxiety and nervousness. So instead of actually healing or helping or being therapeutic, we're listening to certain musics that, yes, some are some are definitely better, but some are literally causing us more anxiety. And so what I would like to do is I'm going to try my best. This is my attempt and what I'm going to be attempting to do after my first album. Um, once we gain some notoriety and some understanding and kind of let people look into my life a little bit, um, we want to get not only a scientist who will be conducting it with me and, and get those focus study groups going, but we would like to make the music that is mainstream today in that tone frequency that could be healing or therapeutic. So it's my hope and my desire to um, eventually get this project up and going and that we can see an actual change in our uh in our cognizance so we should at least on a on even maybe an mri or something we should be able to discover whether or not the music actually changes your thought process so it already has been proven on multiple occasions that music has the potential to influence your brain waves and actually change your pattern of thinking so now I'm going to use that concept, combine it with the healthy elements of not only your functionality and, and the words of the music, but we might be able to just also create a kind of music that's both fun and funky and actually repairs your DNA. Well, I definitely think that that's true. I mean, the Tibetans, they use different healing bowls. So sound has been used to heal and hurt, like you've said, for generations. So I'm excited exactly. to see what you what you do with this. Uh, I uh, think Hillary. You. Oh, you're welcome. I, I think Hillary had something she wanted to ask you. Yeah. So I'm curious. Um, this is kind of a loaded question, but where did this love for music stem from? Especially your focus on using music as a therapy. Well, thank you. That's a really wonderful question, and I appreciate you asking it, Hillary. Um, it's a uh, actually one of my favorite questions to answer. So um, 
my love of music actually began many years ago. Uh, originally, I came from a background where, uh, to say the very least, um, love and therapy and kindness were not the emphasis of the home. Um, and so as I grew up, uh, starting when I was seven years old, although to be honest with you, before I could even speak, it was recorded that I was uh, singing in multiple languages because of au pairs and things like that. But um, when I was seven years old, I was attending a private school and uh, on scholarship, and there was a program through Ruth Eckerd Hall, which Ruth Eckerd Hall happens to be one of the most well-known theaters in all of Florida for their not only theater programs, but specifically their music programs. Well, when I was seven years old, I absolutely loved, loved, loved to sing. And I was in my music class one day, and my teacher, who I adored, uh, Mrs. Wubina, I'll never forget, um, she came to me and said, you know, the school is passing out uh, to each privatized school in the area. They're passing out only two scholarships per school. Now, mind you, I'm seven years old, so I'm not really getting how big of an honor this is. I'm just excited to go to music camp. Um, but when I was seven, out of the 500 students that, that were going to the school at the time, I was one of the students who received the scholarship. So when I was seven years old, I started to sing for Ruth Eckerd Hall. I traveled with the Benoit. I traveled with their choir group. I received both private instruction and uh, choir instruction as well how to read music, although in kind of an interesting way, we read primarily Do, Re, Mi instead of uh, the G's, B, C, and you know, but, um, but basically after that point, and as I started getting training, the music and the love for music just kept on going. Um, as somebody who never had a voice growing up and actually who didn't really even have a voice until most recently, singing was the way that I was able to not only express my emotions and express Oh, how I was, um, you know, really relating to the world, but it gave me that voice and it gave me a platform to talk about the things that I really wanted to, which again were love and kindness, peace, mm -hmm. manners, uh, and an emphasis on tranquility. Um, so oh, I'm so sorry, my phone just did a funky thing. <laughs> That's okay. You're fine. That's. <laughs> I love um, hearing about the passion. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it definitely and passion is definitely the word that I would use because when I um, when I really uh, understood just how powerful and influential music could be uh, growing up and especially with all the different uh, experiences I've had with singing. So I started with record record started with Ruth Eckerd Hall. Then I went to multiple private teachers. So I got specialized training in opera, jazz um, multiple kinds of classical and uh, specifically contemporary pop, although I, I really did experiment with all kinds of singing. Uh, Spanish polka, definitely not my favorite thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but there's plenty of wonderful, wonderful um, opportunities that I had through that. And uh, basically what ended up happening is this, is that I realized that I could touch people's hearts with my voice. And I would recognize because... One moment I'd be singing, and then the next moment, one would be crying and then telling me how their family member had just passed, or they were going through something tough, like a breakup, or um, they were hurting in some which way. And just by having that song to connect, um, they felt release, they felt at peace, and they felt um, less alone. 
And so what I recognize or what I came to understand is that music is the sound of the way emotions feel. So music sounds like emotions feel. And when I recognized this superpower, I realized that I really had a chance to do something beautiful with it. And I recognized I didn't want to just be the you know run-of-the-mill singer. I really wanted to take my gift and use it for a purpose. And so as a person who came from a rough background, I myself uh, have a very rare brain disorder that I died from three years ago. And I've undergone 6,023 documented falls due to my my brain disorder, um, I realized just how beautiful, wonderful, and special and precious that, and short, honestly, that life really is. So when you think about it, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, we might get a tombstone when we die. And on that tombstone, it's going to have two numbers, One is going to say our birth date. One is going to say our death date. And then in between is a little dash. And I had to recognize that I wanted to do something with that dash. What am I going to do with that dash? And so that's why every day um, that I wake up, uh, I do look at it as another opportunity to not only make people smile, but the chance to hone the the talent that I feel that either I was given or, or blessed, fortunate enough to receive, have, and utilize to touch other people's lives and to use my dash to help other people enjoy their, their dash more. I, I love how you put that. And, um, you know, you're going to be able, the reason that I reached out to you was because I watched that video where you sang to Brandon and I was so moved by it. And, um, it is a gift and it's so healing. And there is something just about, um, hearing someone sing a song that can put you at such ease. And I love that, um, you worship that gift and give it freely, you know? Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That really means a lot. I think that, uh, you definitely have the power to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. So the video that Hillary's talking about, um, for those that are listening, that's the one where you were singing to Brandon, Renee, um, Helena's son. Yes, yes. He he suffers from uh, global fire seizure syndrome, um, which I kind of relate to. Not that I have that particular kind of seizure, but... Um, as a person who I, I was bedridden for two years, I lost all the muscle mass in my body and I was unable to move, uh, for about two years. And, uh, I know what it's like to consistently, uh, not only lose control of your body and your, and your mind and your mental state, but I I've seen what it also does to the people around you who love you because it's, it's such a, it's such a tragedy, like to have to watch the one you love go through something like that. And so when Renee uh, asked me to come and sing for Brandon, of course, I was right on it. And I said, yes, tell me the time, where, and I'll be there. So um, she's a wonderful woman. I think what she does for her son is is above and beyond what most any soul on this planet, especially in our day and age, would do. And so getting to go and give that blessing back really just, I mean, it blessed me. It blessed me right on through. So um, it was my honor and my pleasure to, to go and do that for them, for sure. Yeah, th- th- that was amazing. Um, 
everyone that's seen it and everyone I spoke to is really touched by it. Thank you. Oh, and I should forewarn you as well. Um, I probably have just 10 more minutes. Um, my ride just texted me, let me know he's on his way. And then I've got to uh, give somebody a key to make sure that my dog gets walked uh, later in the evening. So, uh, but I sincerely appreciate, thank you so much for allowing me the time to, to speak more, excuse me, more life and more kindness and, and hopefully some, uh, some truth to some hardened hearts and maybe give them a chance to kind of soften towards that as well. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you giving me a um, the countdown, so I'll put it you know, in about nine minutes or so. We'll wrap it up. Okay, that'd be lovely. Thank you. But I wanted to um, m- maybe get some, um, some time with you talking about the condition that you have and then how cannabis helps it. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. This is this is another favorite topic of mine. So um, <laughs> very, very, very favorite topic. Um, so certainly. So basically, my particular disease, it's described, it's called PNES. So what that stands for, and yes, it does sound like penis. Um, <laughs> it stands for psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. And what that big long terminology stands for is that it's uh, a, a rare condition found Uh, in individuals who essentially are very happy, fundamentally happy people who have either gone through trauma or experienced a trauma that their brain literally, literally cannot handle. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I went through this. I'm way too happy for this. I don't like being sad. I don't want to think about it. Goodbye. And so what it does is that it shuts down the whole body, the seizures point in and happening is to terminate the body. And so what that means is that it's a, a fundamental disease for people who are literally so happy that they cannot stand the idea of being sad. Uh, these people tend to be non-complainers. They are happy-go-lucky people who you'd never even suspect something, you know, happening, excuse me, happening to them or or occurring of that nature. And so what happens is these people like me bottle up what's happened to them um, and because they don't either talk about it or because they just don't recognize how impactful it was, um, it kind of works like a PTSD trigger where upon the uh, stimuli, whether it be through the eyes, ears, nose, really any of the senses. um, So say that you were in a car accident And a year later, you're walking down the street and you smell burned rubber. Now, you might not recognize that you're smelling it, but your brain, a subconscious level, recognizes that smell, affiliates it and associates it with the previous memory of the car crash. And rather than having to either think about it, even on a subconscious level, the brain actually says, nope, no thank you, no way, no how and shuts off the whole body and immediately boom down you go having a seizure um and just you know have to keep an eye on it to make sure you don't stop breathing um so what kind of has happened in my case uh among the rare cases so it's actually not even that rare uh in the sense of people there are many many people even more uh, than have been diagnosed it's actually rare because doctors are unable to really test for this. So there's only one test that can uh, diagnose this illness and only one in 2,000 neurologists are even able to recognize the difference between this illness, PNES, and epilepsy, resulting in over 25% 
of epilepsy being a misdiagnosis. Most of those people have my disease, and unfortunately, where epilepsy can be controlled with medication because it's an electrical misfiring in the brain, PAS is more psychological or a psychosis kind of disorder, and so there is no current treatment or cure, even though this disease has been traced back over 3,000 years. It has been around on this earth. So, um, yeah, you think that by now somebody would have figured it out, right? Um, which is why I genuinely believe that I have. The reason why I say this is because uh, less than three years ago, I was bedridden, um, dead, incredibly boring. You can't sing when you're dead. Um, and so I came back. And uh, yeah, exactly. And I was very, very weak. And then somebody said, well, why don't you try cannabis? And of course, to my very um, straight edge self at the time, I said, oh, no, I'm not doing that. That's bad. That's drugs. Haha. <laughs> um, so this is what ended up transpiring is I decided, you know what? I'm kind of sick and I might die again. And I guess there's no harm in trying something if I'm already going to be dead. Right. So I went ahead and I started trying cannabis and son of a gun. If I didn't go from having over 100 seizures a day to having a couple here and there whenever I'm incredibly stressed out, I went from being dead, being told that I was going to die again, being stressed out out of my brain, having over 100 seizures a day, not remembering my own name, going through amnesia, not sure where I was, having all this horrible, stressful stuff to... Suddenly, I smoke a plant that um, not only you know makes me eat, which is great because I conquered bulimia through that as well due to the, again, previous stressors, um, but also it almost completely cured my disease, something that on document and through federal law and level says that there is no cure and that there is no treatment. And so people like me are going around suffering through this horrible disease that you can't control. There is zero way to tell when it's going to happen, uh, where, why. It's very individualized, so all the triggers are specific to your experiences. I myself, um, I have overgone over 400 documented cases of what would be considered heavy enough to cause this disease. Whereas one person, they might have one traumatic incident, like a car crash or two. I myself, I've literally gone to hell and back and, um, and through that, I, I unfortunately contracted and have this disease. And then I was being told, oh, you're never going to live and you're never going to have a life and it'll never be good. And suddenly, smoking a little plant and getting some CBD oil in me, and I'm fine. <laughs> so um, if that's any, uh, I mean, people might say, oh, it's not a miracle cure. Okay, well, maybe I'm not completely cured, but it's damn sure a miracle. Um, and I owe a lot of that, I think, to the power and blessing of medical marijuana. Oh, I'm so sorry. It no, we heard okay. the knocking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Opportunity gosh. knocks. Go answer it. Thank you so much for, <laughs> yeah. your, for this. This was amazing. You ended right on time. So it was perfect. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I sincerely appreciate you both. Um, I would love to, if you'd like to talk more, if you'd like to go over more, um, just let me know. And we can definitely schedule another day to do either a secondary or a continuation of the interview. But just thank you so much because so many people do really need to know about um, the help and the uh, 
the cures and the, and the medicinal properties of medical marijuana and the stigma surrounding it definitely needs to be changed. And it's not a fix like a lot of people assume it is. It's honestly a, a medical treatment. So thank you so much for what you two do. And I look forward to speaking with you in the future. Excellent. Thank Thanks you. for what you do. Keep yeah. smiling. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I will most definitely. Thank you, Hillary. Have thank a great you, day. Thank You're you. Welcome. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Marijuana Solution. Aware, aware of this marijuana solution.